0: Welcome to Lockdown Gators, your home for daily Florida Gators coverage. I'm your host Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host Demetrius Harvey. You can find him at Demetrius82. Demetrius, say what's up to the people.
1: How's it going everybody? I hope you enjoyed our last couple episodes. Obviously we did the crossover episode yesterday and today we got another special one coming for you as the Gators are about to take on Texas A&M.
0: Yeah, we're getting ready for this game. It's kicking off tomorrow as a uh... We're recording this on Thursday, so but we're posting it on a Friday, so for you listeners, this is kicking off tomorrow. We're excited. We're going to give you our final preview entering the weekend, and then you'll hear from us next time on Monday reacting to whatever happens during the game. But before we get into it, make sure to go and subscribe, rate, and review on just about any podcast listening service. I'm talking iTunes, Spotify. Use our free megaphone listening app. You can use Google Podcasts. Really just about anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can listen to Locked On Gators. And if you don't have a subscription, but you want to be able to find free links, then what you can do is go follow our Twitter at LockedOnGators. We tweet links every day over on that account. We are trying to grow it. It does not have many followers. Let's change that today. With that, we're going to go ahead and break into our first of three segments. We're calling this episode the keys to the game for Florida to defeat the Texas A&M Aggies. We're going to go back to back with some stuff that they could do defensively to help secure the game. And our third segment will be about the offense. Now, it's hard to really complain about Florida's offense at this point. However, we do think they need to find their killer instinct. It's been a common phrase uh, after the South Carolina game. You saw that there were some issues with three and outs and such, and they need to find a way to put this game to bed. And Texas a and is going to offer them a chance to do that, but we'll get into more of that later. We're going to start things off defensively, and we're going to talk about Kellen Mott defensive coordinator todd grantham said it himself that he's a guy that's really improved since the last time they played but hear more from the defensive coordinator himself right here
1: hey todd uh, you've gone against jimbo uh, a couple of times uh, when you were at uh, louisville mm-hmm. what are kind of the, the hallmarks of, of a jimbo fisher offense and
0: how does what you see kind of compare to to what you what you see now at a m compared to what you saw when
2: FSU. Well, I think, first of all, it starts with the quarterback. I mean, because we played, you know, this quarterback two years ago when I was at Mississippi State. And just looking at the development of the quarterback and the way Jimbo has developed quarterbacks over the course of, you know, his career, you can see that they really improved him from that standpoint. Um, you know, they're, they're always going to have concepts to try to attack you in the middle of the field. They're always going to attack you underneath um, with some of the, the drive routes and things like that. Um, and and quite honestly, they're going to find ways to to try to run the ball and uh, and be physical that way. Um, those are really the biggest things that I see with Jimbo is is kind of utilizing the personnel. Meaning, you know, it he, he does a good job of taking the players he has and specializing them. Meaning, when he's got a, a guy that's a, an elite back, he's going to have plays that'll go to him. If he's got a receiver, he's going to go to him. If he's got a tight end, so he does he does have a, a, the ability to uh, specialize the, the talented players and get those guys the ball and, um, you know, uh, make plays that way. But really the development of the quarterback is the number one thing that I see that that he kind of does a good job with.
0: So you've got to be able to respect Kellen Mon as a dual threat quarterback. He's shown that he can do it in the past, although his stats really aren't eye-catching or eye-popping this, this season so far. And really, as a passer, they're not anything special either. But he's a guy that is experienced within the SEC, and Florida has struggled with dual threat quarterbacks in the past. Demetrius, what are you looking for out of this matchup?
1: Yeah, I mean, with a guy like Kellen Mond, you have to go back to even when the even when the Gators played Ole Miss and, and Matt Coral, it, it's just if he can get out of the pocket. That's not going to be good. I know this season, Kelmon only has 15 rushes for around 37 yards, but you have to look at also the defenses he's played. I think, I think they played uh, Alabama last week. You're not, you're not getting that many rushing yards as a quarterback against Alabama, especially when you're down by that much, you're going to be passing the ball a lot more. So for the Gators this week, they're going to have to learn how to contain. They're going to have to learn how to stay in their gaps play responsible defense, and I think that that's something that they're going to have to figure out as the game moves on as they get more comfortable within the Todd Grantham defense this year. Because let's face it, the defense hasn't been playing very well. Yeah, they had a little bit of a bounce-back game last week against South Carolina, but at the end of the day, South Carolina was still able to get out too many chunk yards, too many plays that were able to go out on the edges of the defense, which is part of the reason why they've been struggling.
0: And Mond, he's completing fifty eight point three percent of his passes, seven yards per attempt, seven point five adjusted. I mean, his number one receiver, tight end, Jalen Weidemeyer, who we're gonna talk about a lot more later, is averaging ten point one yards per attempt. Chase Lane's got eleven point one. Jalen Preston has eleven. They're the really the three leading receivers other than Anaya Smith, the part running back, part receiver. He's he's an explosive guy, but out of the pure receivers, you know, it seems to be a relatively conservative passing game, which is interesting. This is something that Cole Thompson talked to us about is that we've seen his deep arm his, uh, you know, deep ball strength, but we're not seeing it a ton this year. Florida is really going to be tested on the short stuff. We're going to need to see, you know, the defensive linemen getting home super quickly in their pass rush. And like you said, within the rush lanes and in the run game as well, sending these edges and making things happen quickly. Getting home and you know securing plays much better than they've done the past two weeks.
1: Yeah, they, they they really do, and I think that the one guy that they can lean on at least this this week is is going to have to be Zachary Carter again. And Zach Zach Carter, he wasn't supposed to be in this position, or at least you know from from an outsider's perspective, this isn't what he was billed to be. He was supposed to be a strong side in. And then go inside on occasion, perhaps in, the, in a lightning package sort of deal. But this year, he's playing more of a one-third on the outside and then two-thirds on the inside, which is good for the Gators' defense because they need a lot of help along the defensive line. And he's a guy that can definitely bring, bring the power. But there's going to be a couple guys maybe that the Gators are going to have to rely on moving forward. And maybe even a guy that they haven't had in the past couple weeks.
0: Yeah, you're right. And I think everyone has seen... Brad Stewart's Snapchat from this week of him at practice. He's a guy that's not played. Kyrie Campbell is a guy that's not played. Dan Mullen and the team have been hinting at it for a bit that maybe they could be coming back at some point. Brenton Cox earlier this week said they're looking forward to getting some guys back and the defense looking a lot better. And I'll tell you what, getting Kyrie back would change things dramatically that lets Carter go play on the outside because he gives you some flexibility to move TJ Slayton to three technique, or he can play nose. You don't want him on the field every down, but he's a guy that's probably capable of playing those two positions in limited fashions. It just gives them flexibility and getting Carter back out onto the edge on first and second down because he's such a big body. He is strong there. We've seen him play the strong side end before and do well. That would be a huge change to their defense as in, in run support. Uh, pass rushing as a whole. I mean, just that one move, getting that one guy back, could change things dramatically.
1: Yeah, and 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 not even pass rushing only. Uh, I know we're talking about Mon here, but but we have to respect Isaiah Spiller and what he's doing for Texas A and M right now. Nineteen rushes, one hundred and forty-two yards, seven point five yards per attempt. I mean.
0: And he didn't if even have that have, good of a game against Alabama, but that's he, Alabama. That's not it. Florida's defense.
1: Exactly. And, and Alabama's got a couple guys on their defensive line that's probably going in the first round. So it's just one of those things where Florida hasn't been playing very well inside against the run. We saw it last week with South Carolina, and it's not as if they've had the most success as a, as a running team. It, it's, it, it's one of those things where you have to be able to stop the inside run if you want to keep these guys off the field. If you are allowing teams to run on you four to three to five yards a pop, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's going to add up. And when that adds up, you're going to allow first downs. When you allow first downs, you're allowing clock to to, to kill. We saw it last week, the last drive for South Carolina. They basically had the whole fourth quarter thereabout Mm -hmm. because they were able to run the ball. They were able to control the ball, and they didn't have to do much in order to have that drive. Now – Todd Grantham can say also that the team wants them to chew the clock because at that point in the game, they're just trying to get out of there trying to get out with, with the victory. Sometimes you, you take the clock. Sometimes you play a little bit more aggressive, but at the end of the day, Todd Grantham also said that the goal is to get them off the field. Regardless, it doesn't matter how you do it. If you get interceptions, if you get fumble recoveries. If you just stop them for a three and out, that's better than actually allowing them to drive down the field and score a touchdown. So, This week, it's going to be really, really important for the the defensive line to step up, not only against Mon, but against Spiller, too. And I think that at the end of the day, they're going to have to rely on guys that maybe haven't played very much. Maybe they're going to have to rely on a a freshman in Dexter a little bit more to have more beef inside. But they have to do something. Otherwise, this game could get really boring.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. We were going to call this segment our first of three keys containing Kellen Mon. Maybe we should consider it just containment as a whole. they got to make sure that they're playing and containing well. Our next like segment, we'll, uh, we'll be focusing on the second key. It's on the defensive side of the ball. However, it's much more to do with coverage after these messages. Hey, guys. This is Zach Goodall with the Locked On Gators podcast. Now, as a podcast host and a full-time writer, I'll tell you what. I need a lot of energy to get myself through the day, and I drink a lot of coffee as is. And every now and then I go towards an energy drink, and I just don't feel that good about it afterwards. Well, that's changed ever since I started drinking Built Go, brought to you by my personal favorite protein bar, Built Bar. It's the same company that's bringing you this. It's a healthy alternative to those five-hour energies, those Red Bulls, those monsters that are out there. They're small, they're easy to keep with you. They're only 1.5 ounces, and they come in three delicious flavors. My personal favorite being the peanut butter honey, but you could also get the chocolate coconut and the chocolate mint. It's like five hour energies, it's just, it's without that crash feeling, and it's way more natural for you. Talk about collagen protein going in there, filled with that stuff, so it's fast absorbing, gets into your system quickly, and it's very easy on your stomach. After that, you got some beta alanine. B3 vitamins, honey, a kick of caffeine, B6, and B12 vitamins. So talk about putting a bunch of good stuff into your system and getting energy along the way. Make sure to go and check out Built Go. Visit builtgo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED at builtgo.com for 30% off your next order. Tell them Zach sent you and get the peanut butter honey while you're at it. Jalen Weidemeyer, Chase Lane, and Aya Smith, the running back slash receiver. They've got some weapons there. We've not seen the passing offense at its full potential, especially with a veteran guy, considering Mond, you know, like we said, his passing statistics, his rushing statistics have not been necessarily that great. But he's a guy that, you know, he's going to take what he can get. He's averaging seven yards uh, per attempt. And Weidemeyer is a guy that, you know, he can make things happen after the catch. I think Anaya Smith certainly is as well, and the bottom line is these second and third level defenders for Florida are probably going to be the most important ones when it comes to coverage. It won't necessarily be as much outside work against Kyer Elam and Jaden Hill, but we're talking the safeties, which have been inconsistent, and Sean Davis looked nice, but we know about the safety room. Marco Wilson will be tested, Amari Bernie will certainly be tested, and Ventrell Miller will be tested.
1: This is going to be the ventro Miller game. This is going to be the time where we can see whether or not his past performances against Ole Miss, against South Carolina, are those going to stack up against a team like this where it, they have a legitimate threat in the middle of the defense. Now, against South Carolina, yeah, the, the Gators did allow some stuff in the middle of the defense, and they got lucky on a lot of uh, plays in, in the middle of the defense with five drops, I believe. I think three in a row, too, which was even more crazy when you look at how, how the game ended up playing out. But this game is going to be a little bit different because Jalen Weidemeyer is actually a guy who's going to take control. He, he can take over a game. And we've seen that even last year. And so if Ventro Miller, if Amari Bernie are going to be the guys to step in and, and control that middle of the field, they're going to have to do it in this game. And we're going to see, I mean, we, we, we've already seen some good plays from Sean Davis, Perhaps he takes on a bigger role this week in the middle instead of the outside. Um, they might not need too much help outside against these guys, but at the same time, it's not as if teams are trying to go outside because they know where to attack. So it, it's going to be a, a, a game of, how do you want to say, just just in terms of – contain. We, we talked about containment in the last segment. It's going to be about containment – in this segment, too, in terms of the middle of the field and how they can stop this Texas a and passing
0: attack. Jalen Weidenmeyer has 82 snaps in line versus 26 in the slot this year, according to PFF. So you're absolutely right. It's about the middle of the field. I'm curious exactly what they'll do with that, because like we've said about them not really taking too many shots, will they play shallow zones and just you know, challenge them to try and keep taking the short stuff or maybe try and force things over top, which... Go one way or another, I guess. But, I mean, if this is all that Mon's been capable of doing, you know, could we see Ventro Miller lined up in man coverage over Weidemeyer when he's in the slot versus Bernie, who's stacked in the middle of the field over the center so often? If he's playing in line, we could see him shadowing over his way. I mean, that's yeah, just I'm... one weapon where he's really good. I think they really are going to test the linebacker core this weekend with their coverage, which it really could go one way or another.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, like, we, we, we talk about how, how much they've struggled against the middle of the field, but lest we forget what happened at, at Ole Miss, you know, they, they threw all over the, the Gators' defense, downfield, in the middle of the field, outside, didn't really matter. Uh, if, if this is going to be the game to get right, to, to actually be able to stop both outside, deep, and middle,
0: this is it. And Bernie will have to definitely look strong on wheel routes as well which we saw <laughs> last week, you know, with that angle route. He thought maybe it was because I thought it was to the inside release. Maybe he was expecting a wheel route, and maybe he'll cover them pretty well if he gets them. But yeah. Anaya Smith, he's a guy that can probably take a wheel route and make things happen. We've seen 18.8 yards per catch. He's a guy that's electric with the ball in his hands.
1: Well, it's going to be difficult regardless if if, if Anaya Smith is doing it, if, uh, if, if he's going to have to cover – a it it's it's not going to be easy for a guy who hasn't really played on first and second down throughout his whole career I, I know he's already played it for two games now but I mean if, if you look at it I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that that Bernie has been awful he, he's definitely had his moments but the, the the fact of the matter is that he's he's got to be the guy to get right and and they need him because otherwise I'm not sure that they have the depth to replace him maybe they can play some more Houston if they want to, but at this point in time, he's going to be the guy, and they're just going to have to rely on him.
0: Yeah, I really am going to want to see Houston in more of a pass-rushing role. We've talked about it before, but if they do go any blitz packages, this seems like the week to do it, because Mond, you know, being conservative, not rushing too well, you could probably get James Houston home a decent bit.
1: Well, you, well, you can get James Houston home, and you can get Chatfield home, who's been having a, a pretty good, you know, at least last week, when he was able to get that sack, I, I believe he he met he met the quarterback with um, him and Brenton Cox. That's I believe right. it was, yeah, yep. And so, yeah. whenever he's been able to, to to rush the passer, or whenever he's been given the opportunity to rush the passer, you know, he's been getting home or he's been getting close. Mm-hmm. So, if this is a week, if if you're talking about getting after Mond without actually letting him get out there and escape, uh, Brenton Cox, Chatfield, Houston, Jeremiah Moon, all these guys need a need to bring it. They need a blitz. They need to make sure that you get Kellen Mond off his spot. Because like we said, he's only completing 58.3% of his passes. That's not very good. Uh, no matter how you spin it, it it's not a very good completion percentage. And, and it actually bodes well for the Gators secondary to have their get right game. Um, I know we talked about it on the crossover episode, how there might be some rain, but that rain might be going a little bit more West than we expected. So this could be a clear, clear skies game or, as east, clear of I skies.
0: Think. You mean east?
1: Is it going east? No, I, I'm pretty east sure it's going of, more west.
0: East of College Station. Okay. East it, of College. It, 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 it's going up through Louisiana. It's not going to go and hit Texas, is what I'm sure,
1: saying. Sure. The, the point. The point is, it, it, it's not going to. It's not going to affect the game as much as we thought. So perhaps this is going to be a game where Kellen Mond does drop back and throw. You know, maybe I believe they're averaging 28 passing attempts per game, and. And if they are, then it, it it's going to be a game where the Gators secondary is going to have to show up and the Gators pass rushers are going to have to play a huge role, not just on the edges, but in the middle of the defense. It's they're, going to be
0: interesting to see what they do. They're throwing 37 times a game. They, the defense, it's their defense that's allowing uh, 28 attempts. Oh, in the yeah. Game. yeah. And there's a lot more stats with that that we're going to be talking about in the next segment for sure. But last thing on I, this one, I do yeah. want to talk about real quick, the safeties. Mon's not testing the deep ball too much, in which case Donovan Steiner has a bad game this week. Sean Davis, you know, maybe he looks good, but Steiner has a bad game. What happens next week? What do you do?
1: Yeah, it's going to be one of those things where maybe maybe you have to play the, the young guy, Rashad Torrance. I, I think, that, I think that's your guy,
0: Yeah, I, I, I am a big fan of Torrance's high, high school game, at least. We still need to see more out of him here, but I thought he was a guy that would contend for early playing time. But hey, maybe, maybe Trey Dean.
1: Maybe Trey Dean can come in and, and, and show some. And, and you know what? That, that's actually interesting because they, they've they talked a lot about Trey Dean over the offseason or, or over the fall, however you want to put it. And it, it, he hasn't really played too, too much. But when he's been in there, I've seen him make a couple big hits. And sometimes that's what you need to get your feet wet at the safety position. You know, obviously Trey Dean's a guy who's, come in and struggled a a good bit last year and the year before, just in terms of playing cornerback. But if he's able to become that safety, that presence that they need in in the back end of their defense and allowing Sean Davis to roam a little bit more, having Trey Dean come in and playing that enforcer sort of role, then maybe it could work. And and Donovan Steiner has to step up. it's, It's a game of, having to be available but also you have to put the performance on the field if if you're not going to perform week in and week out they're going to look elsewhere and Trey Dean's a guy who's you know got number zero now he maybe he's a renewed man
0: maybe maybe so I guess the number zero will do that for you I mean he certainly looks (laughs) he looks more comfortable shooting down like at the star, he was responsible with doing that last year, and we didn't see it as much. So it's something that I'm looking forward to seeing. I definitely want to get him on the field more as well if I'm a coach. When we mm-hmm. come back, we are going to be talking about the Gators' third key to the game. It is on the offensive side of the ball. Demetrius gave you a hand, some stats we'll be talking about. More coming your way in just a moment. For sure. I mean, you know, you look at it, if you go back, and we kind of watched the film with the guys this morning and went back and just – Dissected on how we can finish those drives and understanding just situational football at that point in time of the game, you know, it's all about first downs um, and not going three and out. You know, the only thing that can mess up a game like that is to go three and out or continuously turn the football over. So, uh, you know, it just goes into teaching about situational football, understanding uh, what I need to do in order to manage the game. You know, especially at the the quarterback position, of us calling shots and managing shots, and understanding if the shot's not there, check the ball down. And first downs will end the game. Um, You know, so uh, I do a better job of coaching that. So we all know that Kyle Trask and the Florida Gators passing offense itself is pretty damn good. No one really needs to remind you of that. However, I'll give you guys some stuff that'll make you happy about Texas A&M's passing defense. They are allowing some efficiency. They are allowing 292 yards per game on 28 attempts, coming out to about 10.5 yards per attempt. First down every passing attempt for the most part. 71% completion percentage. It's just, it's been a not great showing. They've had some injuries on the back end. They lost their starting nickel corner, Eric Young. Uh, in the game against Alabama, they had a guy come in, and, uh, Devin Morris, I believe his name is, or Devin Moore, to, uh, that was backing him up, and he was allowing some stuff happen in the middle of the field. So with that being said, this could end up being a pretty nice matchup for Trask and company. We are thinking that Kyle Pitts could have a big game. If they try and focus on him too much or take him away, my immediate bet is on Kadarius Toney to make an impact.
1: Yeah, 10.5 yards per pass play. That sounds to me like a Kyle Pitts or Cadarius Tony day. It, it it it
0: it's one of those. It's one of those games it feels where like it where, could be a day for maybe. anyone, really. I mean, if they're allowing that much. Like, pick your poison, as Trayvon Grimes likes to say.
1: Pick your poison.
0: And this
1: is where the Gators, you know, passing game, their the talent they, that they have at receiver. This is where it's going to come to fruition. This is going to be where you get white chocolate getting in there a little bit more. You definitely <laughs> think is... the
0: guys that attack the middle of the field and the seams will be the ones that have the days.
1: Exactly, and, and and you have Trent Whittemore. Just in case anybody didn't know, some of his teammates do call him White Chocolate as a nickname, so I made that joke. Um, but he's he's playing a a big slot this year. At six foot four, he's basically a big tight end who's you know as skillful and as uh, athletic as a receiver. And he, if he's able to get up there and climb the ladder like he did last week, imagine what he can do against a team that's giving up 10.5 yards per attempt. Now, I'm not saying that the Gators are 100% going to pass all over them because I'm sure Texas A&M is going to be preparing to defend the pass because they've done a really good job against the run.
0: Yeah, so only we, would, allowing... uh, we would like to see them focus on the run game, but this might not be the week to do it.
1: No, and th- th- they're only allowing 3.2 yards per rush. And so the Gators are going to have to end up figuring out what, what they're going to do to to help out their passing game because you can't play complementary football and you can't sustain drives by only passing. Now, sure, if Texas a is going to be as inept as they've shown that they could be against the pass, then this might not even matter at all. But that's just something to to look for. And, and, and Coach Brian Johnson and, and Dan Mullen have talked about the offensive struggles that they had late against South Carolina, and I think that You know, this is a game that they're going to want to try to get right. And if they get to a point where Texas A&M is pretty much dead to rights, they want to be able to shut them down.
0: Yeah, we talk about killer instinct. They they need to be able to show that with the three and out issues that we saw last week, as Dan Mullen said, they thought it was some really critical issues. Turnovers on the plus side of the field. With Texas A&M being so generous against the pass right now, as much as we say we want to see the run game, like – I'm kind of cool with this being the bounce back game in terms of error free, mistake free football and taking every last inch of what they give you.
1: Yeah, you you have you have to be able to do that. Johnson specifically said when we went back and dissected on how we can finish those drives and it's just about understanding situational football. At that point of time in the game, you know, it's all about first downs and not going three and out. And he's right. The Gators had South Carolina down, did to rights. I believe it was 38 to 17 at one point. And now I understand that that the game did finish 38 to 24, but it could have easily been 38 to to 31 or even 38 to 38 by the end of the time. If if South Carolina had a better clock management with Will Muschamp, then maybe they they could have actually done something about how the Gators offense kind of took a backseat. They kind of took their foot off the gas and said, you know what? We, we did it. We, we, let's go home guys. We're, we're already home. Let's just go chill in the locker room. Let, let's go, you know, out and go home in quarantine or whatever they were going to do after the game. It, it just seemed as though they relaxed a little too much. They allowed them to almost get back into the game in a game that South Carolina had no business being in that, but by, by the very end. And so you have to be able to take what the defense gives you, but also put your foot on their throats, so to speak, and, and just get after it and finish a drive.
0: So we've gone through our three keys to the game, the killer instinct on offense, the containment on defense and the second and third level defenders in the middle of the field, having a day, certainly a rebound from their first two performances. Now we're going to leave it at our predictions for the game. As we enter the weekend, because like I said earlier, the next time we'll talk to you guys will end up being after the game, the current spread Florida is favored by 6.5 with an over-under of 58 points. When we were on the pod the other day, I was expecting a hurricane to have some sort of impact on this game. I'm not so sure anymore. I still think a could cover a 6.5. Uh, I predicted 31-27 to 27 last time. I think it will be a little more higher scoring. However, I do think a still covers at home. I am taking the Gators... Thirty-eight, Texas A&M thirty-three.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could see that, but it, the thing is, I I know that the the weather is not going to be there, but I'm trying to wonder when are these SEC defenses going to play like SEC defenses? This whole time, the the last couple weeks, we've seen such explosion, and I'm I'm not I'm not saying that it's going to be this week, especially because the Texas A&M defense has given up so many yards. In the Florida defense has given it so, so many yards, but it, it, you kind of want them to be able, you kind of want to see that, you know, as a fan of the game in general, you kind of want to see like some sort of competitiveness on defense, but uh, to wrap that all up, I'm sorry, getting on my soapbox a little bit. I'm just, I, I, I think that the game's going to end maybe around 42 to 37 Gators. I'll right. give it to him in, in that in that much, and I think that's around right at the spread.
0: Yeah, we're both uh, we're both calling it a five point margin. We'll see. Maybe we're totally wrong. Maybe this could be a lot further apart than we're giving Florida credit for, because uh, Texas A&M certainly hasn't lived up to the expectations set. Just in general, under Jimbo Fisher, you would think they would have a lot more, but at the same time, this is probably the biggest game of his career there so far. We'll see exactly what they're able to do, uh, at least at home. I should say. I mean, obviously, well, he, played he, Alabama, but he's
1: getting paid seven point five million dollars per year. So I mean, fully you would expect a little bit more out of him. Yeah, so, yeah, fully guaranteed. So I mean, I'm, not I'm just playing saying, Alabama,
0: just not playing Alabama, and playing at home with a senior quarterback in Kalamond. Like the expectations should be extremely high for a game like this. We'll see what they're able to do. But until next time, we'll be catching up with you guys on Monday to break down what could be a very fun Florida versus Texas A and M game. With that. Make sure to go and follow us everywhere on social media at Zach underscore Goodall, at Demetrius 82 and at locked on Gators. You can find all of our written work at SI.com slash college slash Florida or allgators.com one way or another. It'll get you the same site. Check it out all this weekend. We'll have plenty of content coming your way as the Gators travel to Kyle field. Maybe it'll be named Kyle Trask field after this weekend. Ooh, until next time, this is locked on Gators.